Happy Thursday! Oh my gosh, how are you? Spring is trying to get to Los Angeles. I don't know about you, where you are in the world right now, or what season you're listening to this in, but I'm going to let you know um, that I'm cold and um, I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready for I'm a wimp. It's okay. I totally admit it. I embrace it. I lived on the East Coast for like five years. Not for me. Winter and I are vacation friends and that works well. And uh, I just want to let you know that's my truth today as we're recording this. It doesn't have anything to do with our episode. Um, That's just where I'm at. (laughs) And um, I hope you're amazing wherever you are even if you're a little chilly. So uh, there is a fantastic conversation that I should let you get to as quickly as possible. So I promise I will stop my yapping. But this interview is with my friend and colleague, Jackie DeCrinis. She's superb. She's such, she's just a superb human, a brilliant coach, a fantastic person. And we met in a coaching program, like a training program, 2021 is when we met. Um, I've lost all track of time in the pandemic. And we've just kept in touch since then. We worked alongside each other for like six months and then we just clicked. She lives in Hawaii. So amazing. And she lived in LA for a long time too, as you'll hear her story because she worked in TV and she oh, she just like, get ready for some good stories, you guys. Um, but she is a coach now and she specifically helps people with stress management and she specifically, specifically helps overthinkers with stress management. So I was like, come talk to the podcast. She has great doable stuff we're going to talk about. You know me, I love a doable action plan and I love me a checklist and she is bringing both to the podcast today. So you're welcome. Make sure to check the show notes because we link to her podcast, Jackie's podcast, The Overthinker's Guide to Joy, and specifically the episode where she interviews me. Super fun. Can't get enough of talking about overthinking. (laughs) So that's our jam. We text often about it. And I hope you love this conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to the Decision Masters Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you about all of your wisdom and overthinking and joy. Do you want to let people know who you are? My name is Jackie DeCrenis, and I am a life coach that specializes in stress management. And everybody take a deep inhale and exhale. Yes. So you were your podcast because you also have a podcast that everyone needs to go immediately to subscribe to, which is called The Overthinker's Guide to Joy. Yes. Would you consider your typical people that you're helping manage their stress overthinky? Yeah. In fact, I was thinking about that today. I'm really a stress management for overthinkers, right? Um, Because typically my clients tend to be professionals, type A's, people pleaser, perfectionists. That's sort of like the subcategories of the overthinkers that I mostly deal with. And as life coaches, we tend to deal with what we know. Yeah. Usually it comes from our own background. And as a type A people pleasing perfectionist overthinker who was under extreme stress for most of her career, prior career, Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I basically found my niche. Yeah. Being a 
perfectionist people pleaser type A person doesn't sound stressful at all. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you help people kind of probably on the ground level, like when they're in the stress, but you also are an expert in habit change and overall lifestyle stress management, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So How do, you do that. Tell us everything. <laughs> I'm taking notes. So prior to being a coach, I was a television executive for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. And I worked for major networks like ABC and USA. And I worked for major studios like 20th Century Fox, Columbia TriStar, Sony. And I worked on dozens of Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning shows. So my stress level and my pressure cooker industry and job, I was head of development. In my last job, I was head of development for USA Network um, for 16 years. And it's, you know, I, I don't need to tell you because you were in it as well um, on the theater side. Mm -hmm. It, the entertainment industry is incredibly stressful as are many industries. I think the medical profession and the legal profession and the certainly now the tech profession, mm -hmm. it's very competitive and it's always shape-shifting and you're only as good as your last show. Mm -hmm. And so this, this constant feeling of what's next, what's next. So you're literally like, not that I won the Golden Globes or the Emmys, but my shows did. Yeah. And like the minute they are off the stage, your boss is turning to you and saying, what's next in the pipeline? Like they just, it's never enough. It's never enough to get an award. It's never enough to be in the top 10. It's never enough to break a ratings record. Yeah. It's always what's next, what's next. So that was kind of where I lived for 30 some years and I was in perpetual fight or flight mode. And then I also was raising three children. So add that to the mix. For me, it was like, well, yeah, to, to succeed in this industry, live theater, you just always like, this is, you're in this mode, you're in go mode. You're always anxious about what's next. And like, that's just the deal. And when I talk to clients in all of those industries that you mentioned, which are all freaking stressful, mm -hmm. it's the norm. Just be like, yeah, this is how you have to live. If you're going yeah. to see, if you're going to be successful and not just like a lazy failure. Right. Right. And so I had no boundaries when I was an executive and a mother of three. Because you don't, you get up and you're either feeding children, taking, driving them in carpools, taking them to soccer practice, taking them to tennis lessons, taking them to, you know, uh, birthday parties and, or 12 hour days in an office and weekends and stacks of scripts. And what we used to refer to as rough cuts, you know, for the next upcoming episodes of whatever television show you're babysitting or developing. So there was this concept of 24 hours in the day. And you're like, well, I have to sleep a few hours. <laughs> so I, I got to figure that out because I need to function. And then everything else was about multitasking yeah. and trying to get ahead of the next tsunami of problems. And so what happens is, or happened for me, and I was successful at it. I mean, successful in air quotes. I was always doing three things at once. Mm -hmm. So I always had, I mean, in those days, I think it was, I had an iPhone at the end of my career, but it was like <laughs> Blackberries, you know, it was Blackberries yeah. or it was email, or it was originally just phone calls and driving and 
being at this meeting and, you know, sending an email from your car in the parking lot and, you know, managing whoever's taking care of your children and pickups and this, and it was just this juggle fest. And it felt like I'd go to sleep with my heart racing and I'd wake up with my heart racing. Yeah. Uh, and the only time I could ever have any relief was I would always tell the story. I would get into a hot bath every night because my muscles would be so tight and my head would be throbbing so badly at the end of a 16 hour day that I couldn't think. Ugh. And I still had to read scripts before yeah. I went to sleep because I had to have the notes ready for 7 a.m. And so I would read in a hot bath because my muscles would be relaxed enough that I could then focus and start reading again. Yeah. And that's super, where I would work. Super sustainable way to live for a long, time, long, long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I thought when I left the industry and I figured out and I tried to figure out what my second career was going to be, I thought, well, first I got to get my life together. Like first I got to bring my adrenal gland down to a normal level and stop having like heart palpitations all the time. Cause I had so much PTSD from mm. that lifestyle and was so go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And so I started just taking classes. I started taking yoga classes, which I had done like in my early twenties. And I started taking meditation classes and learned transcendental meditation. And by the way, all of these things I should have been doing while I was an executive and mother yeah, we'll of three, get to but that I later. <laughs> we'll get to your advice for people in a second. Yes. Um, learn and the then hard I, way. I actually started teaching yoga just for fun. So anyway, transcendental meditation classes and yoga classes and yoga teaching and then life coaching. And I thought, oh, I need to blend all of this mm -hmm. into a stress management coaching program, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how I became a stress management coach. And most of my clients are in Hollywood. So there's a lot of like, yeah, I get it. And I basically teach people how to get back to basics. I teach people how to live their life more intentionally. So they aren't like me, which was a pinball in a pinball machine, just mm. being bounced around and like hoping that I didn't hit tilt. Well, and that's two things because a, every industry has its own specific, unique flavors, but at the core, there's some like basic nonsense that we all share. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a joke when it would get really stressful. The first series I ever worked on was the wonder years, the original one. Yeah. And it was a darling out of the gate, which makes the pressure even greater because yeah. it won awards right away. And it was a high rated show in the top 10 right away and all of these things. Yeah. And when we'd get really stressed and everybody was losing their mind, everybody would stop and say, okay, guys, it's not brain surgery, it's television. Mm. And then I would say, wonder if brain surgeons ever turn to each other and say, hey, it's just brain surgery. It's not television. And they're <gasps> like, no, nobody's saying that. <laughs> Perspective. Perspective. But, but, it's, but when you're in you, whatever your version of brain surgery you're doing. Yeah. You know, but I, it's I find it comforting. I don't know if anyone else does, but at least I do in that it's nice to know the kind of crappy truth that there's inequity and a lack of boundaries and too much pressure and, and an expectation of overworking in so many people's jobs. And I think that the problem with thinking, well, this is just my industry. This is just what I have to deal with is that you feel like, well, I can't like ask for anyone's help in this. These are the rules of this industry. And if I don't like it, I can just leave. But that's my next question is that 
many times when I'm talking to clients who are in this situation you're describing, mm-hmm. I've never heard like the whole, like my muscles are so tense. I can't think. So I need to like, get in a bath in order to keep working. Like that's extreme. But when they're in this mode of just, this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. The option that our brain offers is like, well, keep going or quit. Mm-hmm. And that's when people need to call you and find out, oh, I have more options. Yeah. I mean, you may ultimately come to that conclusion, yeah. but that's never going to be people. I have had actually people interview me and say, I'm afraid if I hire you, you'll tell me to quit my job. I've had, yeah. I've heard that like multiple times. And yeah. I'm like, first of all, that's not my job. That's absolutely not my job. Your decision to quit or find another job or find another industry is entirely up to you. And that's a process that yeah. is not uh, a light switch. Yeah. And that's certainly something that I wouldn't direct you towards. So how do you, how do you help people figure out how to make any kind of change? If they, if you, if they've realized my, I don't manage my own stress and it's apparently it's not going to manage itself on its own because we've waited long enough and the results are in how, how would you walk someone through figuring out like what to do first? I always start with, and people giggle when they first hear this because they're like, wait, that's where you start. But you really start with baby steps. You don't start with big swings at that. So unsatisfying. (laughs) I know. But actually it's more satisfying than you think because the truth is that when you start developing daily habits, Mm. micro habits, and I'll talk about, there's two books. There's one called Atomic Habits and then there's one called Tiny Habits. One is BJ Fogg and the other mm-hmm. is um, James Clear. And they both kind of dance around my my particular philosophy. I read those books, both of them, after I sort of developed my framework yeah. of what is like sort of the, what I refer to as the non-negotiables. It's amazing to me how often people have very little self-care incorporated yeah. into their daily life. Yeah. Now, some people are extraordinary at that. And I always say, if I get a client who's already doing these four or five things before they come with me, they're ahead of the curve. Yeah. But it's amazing how often people are like, oh no, I don't do that. Yeah. And so the first thing I call it homework, but it's H-O-M-E. It's the acronym of home Ooh. and it's a checklist. Tell and us so everything. <laughs> the H stands for hydration. And that is the number one thing, which is, are you hydrated? And do you hydrate all day long? So a minimum of 64 ounces, eight, eight ounce cups of water a day. And people are like, oh, I never drink water or, oh, I don't like water or, oh, water's boring. Well, the thing is water is like 70% of our body. So when you're dehydrated, you're out of homeostasis. And if you're out of homeostasis, your muscles don't work as well. Your organs don't work as well. Your brain does not work as well. Yeah. And there's so many things that dehydrate us, right? So there's environment, there's food, there's stress Mm -hmm. because the more stressed you are, the more dehydrated you are because your organs have to work harder. Yeah. So I'm always like, are you drinking enough water? And people will say, I don't know. I never think about it. So I'm like, well, get yourself a bottle or a pitcher or a hydro flask or a sippy cup or a Starbucks thing with a straw and start filling it up. Yeah. But before you label yourself as, quote, stressed or anxious, Mm. go grab a glass of water. Just start there. I'm obsessed with this. And it's a baby step. And yes, it's, but like. 
but it's a baby That's step you can thing do you can all take day action long. on. Yes, right. immediately. Immediately. And it doesn't require you to overnight develop a daily routine of meditating for 45 minutes a day, or it doesn't require right. you to quit your job. It's really actionable. Right. And it come, it reminds people who are so in their heads, like used to living from the neck up, you are a human animal. Right. And it starts with hydration. So that's like the first, first thing. So, and I I talk about this, I think in one of my podcasts, I think in my first episode, I talk all about hydration as one of my four essentials. But when somebody is pulled from a burning building or somebody has been in a car accident or somebody has had some kind of, you know, immediate trauma, the first thing people will do, I mean, if you're not bleeding out. Yeah. The first thing somebody does is they sit you down and give you a, a sip of water. Yeah. Because it literally re-triggers the brain to hit reset mm. and it gives you something to do. Mm. So drinking a glass of water when you feel anxious or depressed or stressed is kind of your first step to bringing it back. Like they always say, breathe, breathe and have a glass of water. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Okay. Brilliant. So that's the H hydration. The O is observe your levels. And and it's a sneaky one because it's two different things. Okay. So the first one is, am I hungry? Now there's hunger like oh, there's M&Ms on my colleague's desk. I'll go have a handful of those. Yeah. And if that's literally all there is and your blood sugar is plummeting, it's better than nothing because okay. at least you've got something. But yep. before you grab the M&Ms, before you grab the, the soda, before you grab that sugar high, that dopamine high, check your levels. Are you hungry? When yeah. was the last time you ate something? And then what did you eat? Uh-huh. Because the last thing you may have eaten was an apple. You've spiked your blood sugar. It's now plummeted and you feel that stressed or anxious feeling in your body. Yeah. So observe your level. The first thing is when was the last time I ate? What did I eat? Do I need to eat? And go get yourself a snack. Go get yourself protein, a piece of cheese, a piece of turkey, yogurt. If you can digest milk products, you know, a Greek yogurt, something that has protein in it because protein is the building block for energy and it's going to calm you down more than that quick fix sugar high. Mm. Oh yes, because so what people are doing is they're feelings like the urgency of stress in their bodies and then they're reaching for something that will actually make the stress increase. Right, so it's usually caffeine or sugar. Okay. Because as soon as we feel the dip, our brain knows I need something fast and sugar and caffeine are the go-tos and sugar or coffee with sugar in it, like a latte with sugar or some kind of frappuccino. That's a go-to winner for the dopamine hit, Yeah, but it's not a go-to winner for managing your stress. All you've done is spike the cortisol and spike the insulin instead of leveling it out. So you want to look at what do I need to eat? Now, if you've just had a glass of water and you've just had like say some sushi for lunch or a roast beef sandwich or something, then check. You've done those two things. Yeah. We're done. Okay. So now we move to the next one on observe your level, which is, am I tired? So what do you do when you're tired? Well, if it's bedtime, go to sleep, stop (laughs) binge watching Netflix, stop scrolling through social media, stop obsessing about whatever you need to obsess, go to sleep. If it's daytime and you're tired, close your eyes and take a rest. Now, you, can you do that in the middle of a meeting? No, you can't do that. 
but do you have a break between the meeting or do you have a break on your lunch hour or do you have a break after lunch? Can you take five minutes and whether you have your own office, if you're lucky enough to do that or work at home, can you close the door and just give yourself five minutes Yeah, for a power nap or just yeah. close your eyes, just reset. Rest. And if you can't do that, you work in you know, some kind of big corporation, you have no privacy. Is there a room? Is there even like a quote restroom, which is yeah. what they used to be called, right? Yeah. And can you spend five minutes alone splashing cold water on your face or closing the stall and just sitting quietly for five minutes? I mean, yeah. the whole principle behind taking a cigarette break in the old days was really to give yourself a break from whatever was stressing you out. Yeah. And we lost the coffee break, cigarette break, water cooler break although water cooler is still a good idea. <laughs> we lost that trope because smoking's unhealthy and coffee, again, is just going to make you crazier. Yeah. <laughs> but the break is important. Yeah. So if it's five minutes and you can go get sunshine on your face, if you live in a place where there is sunshine, mm -hmm. if it's five minutes in the janitor's closet, you can lock the door. Like yeah. whatever you can do, give yourself that break and rest. And if you can actually take a nap because you work from home or then or there's a couch a nap. nearby and there's five minutes and like, that's what you can do. Yeah. That's yeah. what you can do. Do that. Okay. It's, okay. So that's observe your levels. Do I need okay. to eat or do I need to rest? Yes. I love a checklist. Keep going. I love a checklist too. The third one is the hard one. Um, it tends to be the hardest for most people because most people eat anyway, and they drink something. Yeah. They just now have to drink water and now they have to eat protein. Yeah. Um, and a Presumably most people sleep. They don't always rest, but they sleep. Yeah. The third one's a really hard one. So I'm going to honor that it's tough okay. and that's meditate. Okay. And I say that, you know, cautiously because everyone's like, oh, I've tried meditation. And to an overthinker, a type A person, meditation sounds like root canal surgery. Yes. Accurate. Yeah. And I was the queen of, there's no way I'm closing my eyes and spending five minutes or 20 minutes with my own thoughts. There's yeah. no way that I would ever do that because it's then, scary. In that's there. why I avoided yoga for like 15 years. Yeah. Because same reason. So what do you have to say to those people? So what I say to those people is in the same way, I would say to somebody who wants to run a marathon, do not go out and run 26.2 miles. You will, you will fail unless you've been training your whole life. Well, what I would say, <laughs> yes. What I'd say is walk around the block. Yeah. Go onto YouTube or the Calm app or Spotify and listen to a two-minute guided meditation. Ooh, so doable, so free. Yeah. So we're not talking about spending money. Yes. We're not talking about it's enrolling in classes. It's not adopting this identity that now nope. you have to be a meditator. Nope. It's just it's two minutes. two minutes. And if you have headphones or AirPods or... If you have to listen on speaker, that's fine. I recommend putting it in your ears because it tunes out the rest of the world. It's better. Yeah. And close your eyes, sit in a comfy chair or sit on your bed mm -hmm. or sit on a sofa. Yeah, meditate. Meditate and listen to the guided meditation for two minutes. And if you don't like that one, find a different one next time. And if you yeah. like that one, come back to the same one. It doesn't matter how many times you listen to the same one. It doesn't matter. It's not about the message. Mm -hmm. It's the act of closing your eyes and giving yourself a two minute pause. Mm -hmm. So I recorded many years ago, five minute guided meditations with a theme, which are on YouTube. You can find them under my name, Jackie DeCrenis. And they were designed solely for the people who said, I can't meditate. 
And there is not a single person I have ever directed them to. I have five minute and 10 minute guided meditations. I think I have five of each. Um, there's not a single person who ever said to me, I couldn't do it. Great. Yeah. I so think that's, that's how you start. such a loaded idea that if you just let go of the idea that to meditate, it has to be what you're currently perceiving that to mean. Yeah. It's so, it's such freedom. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, maybe, I mean, can I run a marathon or not? I don't know, but I can walk around the block, Yeah, which is great news because that's literally how I have to start anyway. That's how you have to start. Love it. Um, I had a client who I was trying to get to meditate and she said to me, well, I can't because my second bedroom hasn't been cleaned out yet. Ooh, that was my next literal question. And I was like, excuses. Yeah, the excuses are amazing. So um, I I need a place to meditate. I go, you live alone, you can meditate anywhere. They say, oh, I have four kids and my husband's noisy. I don't care. You can meditate in your bathroom. Yeah. You can meditate in your closet. You can meditate outside, inside. In your car is a fabulous place to meditate. The only thing I will caveat, you need to be parked. Yeah. (laughs) And your doors need to be locked. Yeah. And you need to be someplace you feel safe. Yes. But literally, if you go to Target or the grocery store or Costco every week or wherever you you can park far from the entrance. That's a good idea mm-hmm. under a shady tree and lock your doors, turn off your engine and meditate before you go into the grocery store. Like that's a perfectly acceptable place to meditate. Oh my gosh. There's so much permission. So a, you don't have to do it first thing when you wake up. No. B, you don't have to build a Zen den. No. Before you get started. No. You don't even have to be alone where you live or work. No, you just have to create an alone space. Correct. Which can literally be in a closet, in, in a, a closet, bathroom, in a car. And if you have kids, you can, I mean, if you have really little kids, then you might have to wait. They either have to be in their playpen so they're safe, or you have to wait till they go to sleep or your partner has to be watching them or whatever. So you, yeah, but you're talking about two minutes. You're only talking yeah. about two minutes. Yeah people get caught up in, but I don't have a meditation cushion. One client said that to me. And I'm like, yeah, you don't They're not meditation. comfortable anyway. Don't get one. Don't get one. A chair is all you need. A bed is all you need. A sofa is all you need. And by the way, if there's a place on the ground that you're comfortable, the ground is fine. Yeah. The grass is fine. A beach chair is fine. It doesn't matter. Barring safety, you can meditate anywhere. If really you have trouble closing your eyes, you can close them what's called half cast or three quarters cast, which is where you just drop your eyes and look down. That's okay too. Yeah. But the practice of just giving yourself space and peace, once you crack the code on this, even if you only do two minutes, Mm -hmm. and if you can work up to longer, it's better. But the amount of infinite creative potential that can occur once you learn to give yourself that gift every day is incredible. Mm. So people always talk about, oh, I do my best thinking in the shower. Because you're basically meditating. Because you're basically meditating. Yeah, That's the thing that that can help people too, I find, is really looking at where are you already doing something that has meditative qualities for you? Mm -hmm. And then just proving to yourself, oh, it doesn't have to be that hard. You're already kind of doing it here. Great. Right. Right. Build on that. Right. So, okay. Meditation is the third one. The fourth one is exercise. So again, some people, this is easy. That's great. Good for you. Yeah. For those who don't or can't or think they can't 
or have suffered injuries. I'm a big tennis player, pickleball player. I am sadly always injured by the sports I love so yeah. much. <laughs> I know. So I always have to modify. I've just gone six months without playing pickleball or tennis and it's heartbreaking. I know. Um, but I'm, I do something else. So when my legs are recovering from something, ankles, knees, whatever, hips, then I'm moving my upper body or I'm swimming, which I don't love. And when my upper body is injured, I'm walking and doing Peloton and I'm moving. And so my rule of thumb on exercise is 20 minutes, whatever makes you happy. Mm. You don't ever have to join a gym. You don't ever have to lift a weight. You don't ever have to play a sport. You don't ever have to compete, but you have to move your body. So I had a client many years ago. She hated to exercise. She had hurt her ankle. She just never wanted to get back. She was afraid. And I said, what do you like doing? Like, what in your life did you ever like doing? And she said, oh, I used to love dancing. I love to go dancing. And I said, YouTube. Yeah. Turn on YouTube and find dance music or a dance routine mm -hmm. or an artist you like dancing with and dance. That counts. Thousand percent. And if you have little kids and you have no time to exercise because you're 24 seven with your little kids, I'd say, well, your little kids should be exercising. I, they don't call it exercise. They call it playing. Mm -hmm. But if they have a hula hoop, you hula hoop. If they have yes. a jump rope, you jump rope. If they have a ball, you play catch, walk them in a stroller, like move. Yeah. So it's home. H is hydration. O is observe your level, which just means when have you eaten? What have you eaten? Have you, do you need to rest, meditate mm -hmm. and exercise? Those are the four. And what happens is if you create that checklist for yourself every day, ideally it's great to do all of them in the morning to start your day with all four of those. Sure. And then, you know, check in with yourself on the food and the hydration throughout the day. Mm -hmm. But if you can't, then it's okay at the end of the day, but you have to schedule it. You have to make an appointment with yourself yeah. to check these boxes. And what you can't do is say, I'm anxious and depressed and not look at your homework. Mm. So you can be anxious or depressed. You can have those thoughts and feelings, Yeah, but you have to have said, have I done all my homework today? Yeah. So that's my rule every day. So when I start to like down, get down a rabbit hole of, oh, I feel like stress today, or I feel anxious today. I'm like, well, have I finished my homework yeah, today? Go through the checklist. I go through my checklist. Which is so probably counter to anxious overthinkers usual go-to, which is to engage with whatever happens to be the anxious thought of the moment, which is about like next week's presentation. Anxiety and stress about that can compel you to think harder about that and work harder on that and switch from whatever you're doing to immediately doing that. Yeah. And you're offering something different. Yeah. And everything I'm offering with the exception of exercise, which I'm asking for 20 minutes. So that requires a little bit more of a block of time. Sure. Everything I'm offering only takes about five minutes. Yeah. It only takes five minutes to go get a proteinated snack. Mm -hmm. It only takes five minutes to drink a glass of water or one minute. It only takes two minutes to meditate. Mm -hmm. Like everything I'm talking about is really incremental and small and manageable. Yeah. And then that block of 20 minutes or more of exercise is for you to schedule. And I like that your, that your phrasing of them, the non-negotiables, is switching us out of this idea that oh, it would be so nice if I had time to do that mm -hmm. someday. 
maybe mm-hmm. when things calm down. And it's switching into this mentality that, you know, if a doctor told you you had to do this thing and it had to take two minutes, this maybe doesn't apply to every single person on the planet, but we have a different regard for things that we think are non-negotiable according to an authority figure in the medical profession. And unfortunately, authority figures don't make money when they say just drink water. So we're not hearing that message mm-hmm. over and over and over again with the level of importance mm-hmm. that it really is. Yeah. And same for observing your level, same for meditating. Yeah. Well, and the thing is that all of these things elevate your self-concept. We talk about that a lot in coaching, right? How do you elevate your self-concept? And people talk about like dress for success and show up with done energy. Some, one of our coaches talked about done energy. Like it's Mm. already done. I'm already Mm -hmm. successful. I'm already this, I'm already that. Mm -hmm. And what doing your homework does every day and people it's so easy to poo-poo it. Oh, that sounds too simplistic. And what's amazing is when you start doing that, first of all, you're bringing back mindfulness, right? Because every one of those things is like, am I taking care of my body? Yeah. Am I taking care of my mind? Am yeah. I giving what I need? It's how we raise our children. It's how we take care of our dogs. Like if your dog is running around in the park, the first thing you do when you get home is you offer them a bowl of water. Yes. And if they need to rest, you let them rest. (laughs) So true. And if you had a child and they were crying, the first thing you would do is you would check all those things. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need a nap? Do you need to play? Yeah. And so we have to do that as adults too. Yes, we have responsibilities. Yes, we have jobs. Yes, we have partners. Yes, we have all these things. But these are just little micro habits that Mm -hmm. change our self-concept. And then what happens is once we start changing our self-concept, we start showing up differently in other ways. All of a sudden, wow, I exercised today. I ate well today. I, I meditated today. I drank water today. I got a good night's rest. Ooh, I feel like dressing up today. Ooh, I feel more powerful. Ooh, I feel more confident to enter that meeting or that sales pitch or that this or that. It's just everything changes when we work on our own foundation first. And that's what I always say. You can't change your external circumstances, but you can change how you're managing your mind and body. And eventually that might lead you to make bigger changes in your life, career, whatever. But the point is, I think that you're making is you want to give yourself the chance to be the person in that more resourced state, that healthier state, and let them decide. Because maybe when they feel better, all of a sudden their circumstances aren't as taxing and stressful because they have boundaries and they are worrying less or whatever, or they're just more hydrated and that makes everything easier. Or maybe they will decide this circumstance is no longer aligned for me. But like either way, you today from your stressed out, under-resourced state isn't necessarily the one you want making your bigger life decisions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's so well encapsulated. That's so perfectly reframed. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love. I, A, I'm a fan of these books that you mentioned. I can link them in the show notes. I mean, BJ Fogg's Ted talk. I watched his Maui Ted talk and I ended up doing the habit where you stand up. And the first thing you say in the morning is it's going to be a great day. I did that for like six months, totally changed my life. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I've never seen that Ted talk. He did it in Maui. Yeah. I think it's because he has a couple, I think, but this is the Maui one. Okay. And he talked, I'm going to look at that right. As soon as we're done. 
he, yeah, he was sharing a story about like talking to someone I think who was just in a funk really in like a really maybe hard, challenging circumstances, time of their life. And he was like, yeah, pick your phrase, whatever you phrase you want. Yeah. But like make that be the first thing that you do when you stand up and get out of bed. And I did it when I was, you know, building the business at the very beginning. And every day my brain wanted to say, today is going to be a hard, terrible day. <laughs> That's not what you want. So, but is there yeah. anything you want to say specifically or do you just No, just that those? I love the idea of tiny habits. I think what happens yeah. is so many people fail with um, big lofty goals and nothing wrong with a big lofty goal. I'm the queen of them, but um, you, you have to start small. You have to give yourself small wins every yeah. day. And when clients talk to me and they're like, well, I didn't accomplish anything today. I'm like, Ugh. did you do your, did you do your homework? Did you do your HOME? Those are wins. Yes. And when you check a list, whether you keep a literal written diary, and I have people do that. I've had people do gold stars where they create a list that way. I've had a journal and then they have to, you know, look every day to see did, how many glasses of water did I drink and how much protein did I eat? And did I meditate? Did I exercise? And what yeah. kind of exercise? Um, when you do that, you give yourself a pat on the back. You give yourself a gold star. You give yourself the feedback loop of, mm -hmm. I did accomplish something today. Yeah. Cause you're training yourself that this mm -hmm. stuff matters as much as everything else you're giving away to everybody else in the world. That's right. And it starts there. Yeah. So I, I, the, the analogy I love to use is you can't prevent earthquakes. That's beyond your control. That's a circumstances that's bigger than all of us. You could tell we're, we're from LA. We're like, yep, you can tell we're from LA. Totally. Yes. <laughs> but what you can do is build a building or a home with a very strong foundation. Yeah. That will not prevent an earthquake and it won't prevent a natural disaster, yeah. but it will give your home a chance of surviving better when circumstances are not ideal. Yeah. And that's what homework does. So does homework or my version of homework, um, cure cancer. No prevent cancer. No. Does it solve academic problems? Does it solve professional problems? No, but it gives yeah. you the foundation to combat those circumstances as they show up in your life better than yeah. if you didn't. Yes. Cause maybe you do want to be a person who thrives and succeeds inside of a really crappily set up system. Maybe yeah. that is your truth. And so you might as well have all of the tools that you can to feel as resourced as you can in that. But you're also speaking to, yeah, you're stressed. You're existing at this level of baseline stress on a regular Tuesday. What happens when something happens in the world, something happens in your family, something extra stress activating happens. And this is already your baseline way up here. Right, right. It might just help you show up better and stronger in the process. Yeah. Mm. And again, it, you build from there. That's just the foundational. That's elements. the foundation, but we, it's a really great idea to start at the foundation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> instead exactly. of like the window treatments. Instead, oh my gosh, instead of starting at the window treatments. I'm going to have so many people listen to this. This is going to be one of, I have to memorize like the episode number because I'm just going to like tell people to listen to this over and over and over again. Let me it. ask you my three interviewee question. Okay. Yes. What kind of decision maker would you consider yourself to be at this moment in your life? I tend to be a very decisive human being. So I'd say I'm a really good decision maker. 
I think the only time I waffle on decisions is if there's something I really don't want to do. And I don't mean that like I want to do it, but I'm afraid to do it. I mean, I just literally don't want to do it. And I'm either, that's where the people pleasing comes in Mm, where it's like, oh, but somebody really wants me to do this. And so I'm waffling because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or Mm. something like that. And I'm getting better and better at just saying no. Yeah. Or yes. Yeah. But I think when I want to do something, um, I'm a pretty good decision maker. I love that smile. Like, yeah, I know my truth. Fabulous. Okay. On that note, do you want to share with us a self-honoring decision that you made within the last week ish? So, uh, one of the decisions that I made was to, I was actually offering a Valentine's that by the time this airs, this will be obsolete, but I was offering a Valentine's day special to work with me. So I was doing a five session, um, short course of coaching. I thought for the holiday, what greater gift of self-love than buying yourself a short coaching package. So I did a, so I did a launch over the last five days. That's amazing. And that sounds like a self-honoring decision because you also love coaching. So it's like, I do. what's a way that I can do more coaching and have fun? I do. I love it. Okay. Third question. I think like me, you work with a lot of people who are coaching for the first time. Yes. So what, Definitely. how should someone find out if they are a person who could do coaching and could actually like get something out of it? Well, I think coaching is such a personal decision. And finding the coach that speaks to you and with you yeah. is so crucial. And so yeah. much of it is just about chemistry. Yeah. So you need to feel like they get you. Yeah. And like you understand them. I think my husband I, just got that, home. Oh, Do I thought you hear that was, Clive? I hear Clive. <laughs> Yes. The personal vibe, the personal vibe. So, and the best way to do that is either by listening to them, you know, if they have a podcast or a YouTube channel or taking coaches up on a free consult, that's what it's there for is to see if you're a good match and to ask all your questions, like, how does this work? And how is it different than therapy? And how long are your sessions? And how long do I have to commit for? And like, get all those questions asked and answered. And if you don't vibe with them for any reason at all, then that's not your coach. Yeah. Go find somebody else. Yeah. Um, so vibe is everything. And that's what the free consultation is for. Mm. Take it. Okay. So now that you've instructed people what to do, where do we find you? How do we follow you? So my podcast again is the overthinkers guide to joy. And that will also recap the first four episodes of that will recap the homework model. So if, you know, people weren't taking notes or they want to hear it again, it's there in episodes one through four. My website is JackieDecranis.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, Jackie DeCrenis, and you can find me Jackie DeCrenis Life Coach on Facebook. And I'm also on LinkedIn and that's how you reach me. And this was just such a pleasure. Oh, I could talk to you literally all day about stress and overthinking. And that's like, sounds like a funny sentence, but (laughs) you make it fun to talk about, obviously. I love it. Well, we are kindred spirits in that. So I could talk to you all day too. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. And also they should check out the Overthinker's Guide to Joy because you were featured on my podcast a few weeks ago. That's true. They should go listen to that episode because you were a ton of fun. And it was all about decision-making. Yes. We'll we'll link that in the show notes too. Fabulous, fabulous excuse. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you later. 
Hey there, quick question. How easy does it feel to say no to requests or invites that you really don't want to agree to? Mm, not so much. If you find yourself saying yes to things you don't want to do over and over or putting yourself through agony just to get to a no and then feeling super guilty and maybe even doing it anyway, you're going to love the crash course on how to say no. You can get it for free right now at kirstenparker.com forward slash say no. You'll get a complete PDF workbook with two whole pages of example sentences at the end, literally how to say no to requests and invites and an 11 minute crash course video training that simplifies the whole overwhelming shenanigans of saying no so you can do it without being a terrible person, ruining a relationship, or ending up doing the thing anyway. Go get it now at kirstenparker.com forward slash say no. Enjoy!